Peace, y'all, and welcome to Gather and Heal, the podcast. My name is Vanessa Suhey, and I am your holistic host. Basically, we're going to have lots of combos. Sometimes it'll be just me, and sometimes we'll have some guests. No matter what the topic is, though, I'm going to make sure that it connects right back to your emotional wellness and healing journey. Peace, y'all. Welcome back. And if it's your first time tuning in, welcome, friend. Welcome, homie. Thank you so much for coming through. We have, as always, another dope episode lined up for you. Super excited about this one because I have had the joy of working with Angela, who is our guest today. And um, as she was and continues to make her way through school, she was joining Gathering Hill for our clerkship since I think it was like January or February of 2022. Um, and it was meant to be y'all. We connected last summer and you know, shit happened because it is life. And then we reconnected and I'm so glad that we did because not only did we have really amazing conversations during her placement with us, they continue. I was like, Angela girl, you're not gonna get rid of us that fast or that easy. <laughs> So today's episode, before I have Angela introduce herself, I am going to give y'all our topic. Our topic today is something that both Angela and I can really relate to. And it's this common question that people love to ask some version of, what do you mean you don't speak fluent Spanish? Or sometimes it sounds like I'm speaking to you in Spanish. Why are you responding in English? Mm -hmm. um, I thought you understood Spanish. Well, First things first, clearly I understand if I'm responding to you, <laughs> right? Like right. a comprehension and the fact that I'm speaking back to you in the same language, yeah. that those are two different things. Exactly. But on today's episode, in today's journey, we are going to really just hunker down and relate to one another. And hopefully others can relate to this too, whether or not the other language is Spanish or if it's another one native to your culture. The truth is, is that whether or not you can speak your family or your culture's language fluently, it doesn't increase or decrease how fill in the blank, how Dominican, how Costa Rican, how Puerto Rican, how Nigerian, so on and so forth, you are. So without further ado, Angela, tell us, tell us about yourself. Who are your people? What do you enjoy doing? Fun facts. Uh, well, hola, everybody. Um, I just want to say first, it's an honor, Vanessa, for being here. So thank you for um, asking me to join. I'm super excited. I love your podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but just a little bit about myself. Um, soy un prautica. And um, if people don't know, the that's the native names for those of us who are from Costa Rica. So I'm very proud of mi gente. I'm also a very proud New Yorker, born and raised. Also, I do identify as a humanitarian. And um, kind of not as important, but a real housewives enthusiast as well. So I'm really excited <laughs> to be here um, and just excited to really just talk about this topic and just be able to relate to one another and relate to um, our community as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I don't watch Real Housewives, it's not my thing, yeah. but don't they have like different versions for 
different states or like locations that they're in? Yes, I highly recommend. I love the the most recent one that just came out is the Real Housewives of Dubai, and they're amazing. <laughs> um, I watch literally all like the international franchises and everything. Like I'm like a hardcore fan. Even the ones that are terrible, like I still watch it just because. I don't know. It helps escape my grad school life, honestly. <laughs> That's real. That's real. And um, I bet there's a part of you that's like, on principle, damn it, we're going to watch this episode. <laughs> yes. Whether it's like, like, it could be like the worst reality drama ever. And I just get so into it because I'm like, this isn't my real life. So at least I get uh, to escape the mm -hmm. whole episode. So yeah. That part. You know what my escape was when I was in, um, in grad school? My escape was Jersey Shore. That was my reality TV show escape. <laughs> Another great guilty pleasure. So don't even feel guilty about it. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even say it out loud. You see how how hard it was for me to get that out. <laughs> I feel like the whole. I feel like everybody was watching Jersey Shore. I feel like everybody and their grandmothers were watching Jersey Shore. So like honestly, it was it was just a fun, it was a phenomenon during that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. Yeah, and I know, uh, like for me, some of the spinoffs that they've had from Jersey Shore, that they're just not, that ain't it. Yeah, so I just, I close that chapter, I leave it alone mm -hmm. and carry on. Yeah. But yeah, we all have our guilty pleasures. So no judgment mm -mm. No. is doing this job. It helps us escape and just take a pause from, mm -hmm. like you said, school and reality and everything that's going on. It's like, I need a break. Right. I need to watch some stupid shit. Yeah. Or Dubai, I can only imagine how gorgeous like their scenery is and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and their their personalities are fantastic. I just want to give a shout out to my favorite housewife on there, Chanel Ayan. She's amazing. She's fabulous. I, I love her. See? Maybe one day Chanel will be listening to this and she'll be like, oh my goodness, Angela. <laughs> if I, I just fell in love with her when I when she said, she said in four different languages, uh, I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> in four different languages. So I was like, I love this. She's my vibe. <laughs> Dope. I got to figure out how to say that in four languages. I like that a lot. Yeah. How empowering that must feel. Super empowering. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay. So let's jump in. Let's talk a little bit about, um, I forget how you and I stumbled on this topic, but you were sharing a story and then I really just, I started to vibe with you and I was like, yes, I totally get this. It's a common saying um, in our cultures, ni de aquí ni de allá. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I was born here in the United States. And personally, my father um, was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. So I would go there and I'd spend my summers in the Dominican Republic easily from like the age of two up to like 16. Yeah. And I, I would definitely always have that feeling of where do I belong? Mm -hmm. Right. Like there are different things about growing up in Jamaica Plain and in Boston and being like, oh, this is really dope. I really like this. Right. But then also being in the Dominican Republic and saying, oh, this is really dope. Mm -hmm. This really lands well with me. Yeah. And I had the space and the opportunity, even as a young person, to be able to say, all of these are part of me mm -hmm. and I love it and I embrace it and this is dope. Yeah. But outsiders had different perspectives. Right. Outsiders would be like, oh, you're a gringa or you're from Nueva York. And I'm like, mm, I'm from Boston, but OK. Right. right. <laughs> they I'd be in DR and it, it's like 
mentally they'd be shipping me back right back home right right but then I'd be in Boston and people look at me and say where are you from because you don't you don't sound like a Bostonian mm-hmm. I don't speak pop the car and have a yad like <laughs> I had to force that out <laughs> so from an early age I was hearing kind of like these mixed messages externally right and I say all that because those mixed messages that were coming in externally ended up becoming an internal voice mm-hmm. that for a long time it was like well I don't really belong here I don't really belong over here mm-hmm. um people have lots of comments about how I speak Spanish right when I'm in the United States they're like oh you're using Spanglish you're switching between English and Spanish you can't speak it fluently mm-hmm. and then when I was in the Dominican Republic I'd be obviously having to speak full-blown Spanish, but then my accent was off or like I sounded like a gringa even when I was speaking Spanish. And I know that over time, the amount of times that I use Spanish decreased. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, I've continuously been trying to work through that, but it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. and it's still a constant message. It is. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge that it brings to a lot of us where, you know, it's like, are you ever going to be Hispanic enough? Are you ever going to be American enough? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that's something that I've struggled with as well, especially growing up in Staten Island, you know, so everybody knows all the, all the boroughs, but nobody remembers that now. And we like the last people, (laughs) the last people, uh, you know, known to man, people, people like, aren't you guys really part of Jersey? That's debatable. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, no, like no offense to my Jersey people, but like, I'd rather be tied to New York. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, just going, you know, growing up in Staten Island, like a lot of people, it's really tied to, um, you know, predominantly Italian white heritage. Mm -hmm. So when I tell people I'm from Staten Island, they get like really shocked. They're like, oh, I didn't know like other people who weren't white lived there. And I'm like, well, yeah, we Mm -hmm. have a pretty diverse community on the North shore of Staten Island. Mm -hmm. Um, So like where I grew up more specifically, I grew up in a predominantly Mexican neighborhood. and for a lot of people, they were like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how does, you know, you're you're Hispanic. You're not supposed to be living in Staten Island. You know what I mean? So you should <laughs> associate Staten Island with wealthy white people. And that's not yeah. the case for a lot of us, you know? And um, I feel like, you know, shout out to Wu-Tang. They put us on the map. And I feel like they're the only people. <laughs> but Let's I, go. You know? And I just, to me, they represent what Staten Island truly is, that we are mm. people who are trying to make it in the city and just trying to do well for ourselves and do well for our families. And in in Staten Island, if a lot of people aren't too familiar with it, it is very heavily separated, I'll say. Mm. Like those of us who live on the North Shore, it's mostly Black and Hispanic people. Um, whereas on the South Shore, it's predominantly white populations. And mm. with that, you know, if I grew up in the Bronx or if I grew up in, in Jackson Heights and in Queens, then I know Spanish would predominantly be my first language, but that wasn't the case for me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, for So just to go a little bit into my background, my grandparents, they migrated to the United States in like 1962. Mm-hmm. So at the time, Staten Island was very heavily a white population. And when my parents, my grandparents, when they came here, they didn't speak any English. Um, so 
because of that, they were faced with a lot of racism and a lot of backlash that they needed to learn how to speak English in order to not be judged living there. Mm. Um, and because of that, my grandparents, they took English classes every night. And because of that, raising my mom and her and her siblings, they tried to only speak with them in English to try to practice with their kids because they were mm. only exposed to English. So, you know, years go on my my grandparents you know don't forget their their spanish speaking roots um but you know they know in order to survive in staten island they need to speak english in order to reduce the racism backlash that they that they experienced mm. and at that point you know racism just continues to grow on in the years now we go into the mid 1970s my grandparents want to move back to costa rica um and you know my mom and my siblings they didn't know spanish like they understood spanish but they never mm -hmm. spoke really with my grandparents so it wasn't until they moved back that they were like oh crap like what am i talking about or know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um, that's how my mom learned how to speak spanish um and because of that like my mom was really felt really intimidated when she went over there where you know our own people my mom was born in costa rica but she was raised here um would judge her because she didn't know how to speak fluently or mm. that she would have an American accent when she did speak. So it's just kind of like, again, it's just a matter of like, well, you're too Hispanic if you're in Staten Island, but you're not Hispanic enough if you go back to the motherland, you know? Mm. Like, just like, how do we try to um, bridge the gap between the two and try to understand from both different countries, well, not both different countries, but like, how can we try to allow space in understanding other people's upbringings because every time i tell this story to other that people who, yeah like every time i tell this story to other people they just they're just like that doesn't make any sense like how can your parents not raise you speaking spanish like mm -hmm. and i'm like well you don't know the whole story <laughs> things that my family has went exactly. through exactly exactly and then the same thing with my dad like my dad was born and raised in costa rica but he moved to the united states when he was 34. um and he had me at a late age. So by that point, again, very similar experience. When he moved to back to Staten Island with my mom, he faced a lot of racism because he had that very thick accent. He didn't know a lick of English. So again, following my grandparents' steps, he took night classes um, to, to know how to speak English. And because of that, he raised me and my siblings speaking English only so that he could mm -hmm. practice. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of this generational pattern that keeps happening and then comes out me and my siblings, um, you know, and then we end up being those yo no sabo kids, uh, you know, like we understand it, it's like what you mentioned, we understand a lot, like where my parents, we had, I had a problem where they would speak to me in Spanish, but I respond in English. And again, mm -hmm. I think just to highlight what you mentioned before, a lot of that comes with the context of how much experience and exposure do you have to actually exercise the language. If you're mm -hmm. living in Staten Island, you're not going to be speak, speaking much Spanish because everybody's mm -hmm. And if you do speak Spanish, people may be looking at you sideways. But if I go over to the Bronx and you speak in English, they look at you like you got four heads. <laughs> and they're like, Wait, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yes, like, it, it's, it's, it's just so interesting. Like it just, I really do think it's so dependent on context and also people's history and what they've been through. Yeah. And because of that, I battled a lot with my Latinidad identity. I said, am mm. I really Hispanic? Because I don't know how to speak Spanish fluently. Mm. I speak Spanglish fluently, but not Spanish fluently. Yeah. At some point, we need to just add Spanglish as a language. <laughs> <laughs> we need to sign a petition and be like, listen, this is, this is just as equivalent to fluent Spanish as it is not. <laughs> this counts, damn it. 
exactly, exactly. But it, it's just that, you know, and I understand how migrating and assimilating into a new culture that you're so used to that it's hard to break out of that especially when this is all that your family has ever known in order to survive or in mm -hmm. order to um, just not be judged or not, you know, face any sort of racism. So that's why for me, it means a lot that I can share this um, because I want people to know that because if you don't speak fluent Spanish or a fluent native language that your family speaks, it doesn't make you less of that identity. You're just right. you and you're, and you're, <laughs> and just having that pride in your culture. Like my dad says to me all the time, he's like, mamita, you were born, in, you were born and raised in New York and you know, you should be a proud American. I'm like, no, I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm a, I'm a proud, I'm as Tika as they come. I'm more Tika than anybody in my entire family. <laughs> like, I have so much pride from where my family comes. And now that I talk about it, I feel like because I don't, I didn't grow up speaking fluent Spanish. I made up with that in how much pride I have in my culture. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's like a strange thing that I think about it when we talk about it. I love that so much mm -hmm. that, yeah, we all have our different strengths and ways that we show up for anything, like any of the arenas in our lives. Right. And you found your way that helps you stay connected to your culture. Just like I found my different ways that help me remain connected to my cultures. And even if it doesn't look the same as the Costa Rican next to you or the Dominican next to me, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like this is not this is not a, a competition of who's more fill in the blank than the other person. Right. Um, competition is the thief of joy. I, I was listening to a song this morning and I came mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, it's absolutely true. I'm not gonna cons compare my language capabilities to yours, right? And you, not just you, but like the universal you, mm -hmm. you should not be comparing it to mine. Right, right. I, yeah, I, my brain is going in two directions right now. So I'll say this piece. My partner speaks multiple languages. Oh, nice. And when we first met, I'm like, damn, bro, like how do you, how you speak Verdean Creole, Dutch, English, and Portuguese. I was like, how do you do that? Right. right? Yeah. Well, like you had said, our upbringings mm -hmm. were very different. He right. grew up literally on the other side of the world right. in Holland mm -hmm. and learned Dutch in school, learned English in school as well. Mm -hmm. um, spoke Cape Verdean Creole at home and then Portuguese is intertwined in there, right? Mm -hmm. But that's a big difference. When I started school, there was no, there were there were only English classes. Mm. We didn't have additional languages. Mm. Whereas his school, he started Dutch and English mm -hmm. early on. Right. right. So when we went to Holland, I could, I was having great conversations with him, his family and all of his friends because they all speak English. Right. Right. right? So we also have to think about like where people are raised mm -hmm. and how languages are incorporated or not right. into curriculum too, right? Right, right. 100%. Yeah. And so the piece you were talking about, like if I speak Spanish and Staten Island, people look at me like, what? But right. then you go over to- um, The Bronx. The Bronx, <laughs> thank you. I was about to say Brooklyn. I was like, that's what you yeah. said. <laughs> the Bronx and you're speaking English, they're gonna be like, girl, you lost? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's true, you know, like it, it's it's a hard, 
it's a hard thing to navigate. It's like, okay, well, when can I actually try to speak Spanish? And if I do, I know it's not going to be perfect, but will I be judged for my, you know, my Spanglish fluent abilities? Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I go just speak English and, you know, I don't look like a typical Staten Islander, like, you know, and I start saying something in Spanish, they're going to be like, oh, no that's not okay either right. so it's it's hard it's difficult yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I can say too that like for myself and I'm sure for you it has really helped us to increase our awareness mm -hmm. on how to well one could say it's also um switching our masks mm -hmm. right depending on the environment doing a really quick assessment of who's around what's my physical location what's the environment and then deciding how am I gonna show up literally with the language? Am I gonna show up with English, Spanglish, or Spanish? Right. Right. And that's that's our assessment skills. Mm -hmm. Those are those are the, the life skills and the parts of us that have grown mm -hmm. that are very clear. So the way you're dividing the two parts of New York is similar to when I was growing up in Jamaica Plain. Mm -hmm. It used to be called Little Bani. So Bani is a place in the Dominican Republic, JP heavily mad Dominicans there and Puerto right. Ricans, right? And it was called Little Bani, but up until a certain point, to be honest, mm -hmm. right? So there's this one long main street, center street, and you knew when you crossed over from the Little Bani side mm -hmm. into the white side, right. it was it like legit clear as day. Yeah. Yeah. The little colmados are gone. The <laughs> all the different cultural flags on the storefronts in their windows gone. Yeah. Um, so that's where you knew mm -hmm. I can speak Spanish and Spanglish down here on this end, and then I cross over, yeah. and then I'm going to switch over to white. I can access different cuisines and right. um, types of grocery stores and things like that than I can over here on this side. So if you want to go buy some adobo, or you're going to make some. Um, bacalao or something like that, you got to come to this side of the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's that learning and living and mm. piecing it together. Like, right. how am I showing up in this world and what, how can I show up in certain environments? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, and I think that's such a great point because you're right. I, I, I remember doing that at Staten Island as well. Like in my communities, you know, like there's no more like bodegas or anything like that. But when you cross over to the white part of Staten Island, it's like, oh, they call them delis. It's like, what, like, what is this? Uh, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I, I think like it's just at least we could use that to our advantage where we can be able to communicate and at least in, in some aspect in two different languages, but being able to, again, bridge the gap between these two different places um, and, you know, ultimately just get necessities that we need, you know. Exactly. Because yeah. that deli is selling some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be that last ingredient you need exactly. for whatever you're making. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But you, you also said it beautifully earlier, right? In regards to when your grandparents came and then also how mom navigated and dad navigated mm -hmm. that the increase in speaking English and learning English and decreasing the Spanish language use mm -hmm. was survival. Right. Right. Like, and I feel like, a lot of people forget that piece. Yeah. And you can't. Right. You right. cannot forget that 
a lot of people when they come into the United States or even when people from other countries go to a different country where they're speaking different languages, it's it's about the survival piece. Right. I got to be able to communicate, order things, get a job, communicate successfully at my job, right? Like there's layers to this. It's not as simple as why don't you speak said language? Exactly. Exactly. And I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that that was so well said because a lot of people, again, there's just that quick judgment of, oh, your parents didn't raise you, right? If you didn't speak up, if you didn't, if you weren't raised speaking the native language. And it's like, no, I think my parents raised me on what they needed to do in order to survive living in this Mm -hmm. country. Especially again, the context of living in Staten Island, where everything is only in English in order to reach medical access, to reach school access, you need to know how to speak English because unfortunately the reality is, especially when you're growing up in these different um, communities that maybe have a predominant language, in my case, it was English how else are you going to make it, you know? And like I said, maybe it could have been different if I grew up in a different part of New York city, but Mm -hmm. this was, this was my reality. This was my family's reality. And, and it's because of them. And I, and I give so much credit to my grandparents and to my parents, you know, sacrificing so much just to even learn a language and to learn it so quickly and in such a late part. That's gangster. Shout out to them. Yeah. Like (laughs) I actually read a study where People who learn a language, I think over the age of 20, it's really hard. And if they Mm -hmm. do that, it just speaks to their commitment, to their dedication, but also their intelligence. And for my parents and for my grandparents to do that in like their mid to to late 30s, like that's insane. (laughs) You know, so I don't know. Just I just give them so much credit because unfortunately, the reality for them was that if we don't speak English, we're not going to survive here. And you know, that that's it's a sucky part because I of course I wish that they didn't feel like they had to result to only speaking English, but at the same time too, you need to understand the context, like you mentioned, in order to to thrive in a community where there is one predominant language that's spoken. Right. And when people minimize it to as simple as you don't speak said language fluently, right. why not? And it's filled like that question is filled with so much judgment. Yeah it's that's not fair right because then we're activating potentially our own parts of shame that are like oh no why don't i and this am i this enough and so on and so forth it's like this huge ripple effect that happens but it it really starts with the fact that the person posing the question minimized it too much that it doesn't leave room for everyone's unique story and experiences, which is always my biggest beef, where I'm like, you can't just take one concept and slap it across everybody. Like, no, right? it really does have to be individualized. Mm-hmm. And you know, that piece where you're talking about, they were in their mid thirties and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm thinking about that for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Because with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, or more specifically in the United States, my partner and I had a conversation with um, our bonus co-parent and we were like, yo, where are we going? Because this ain't it. Right. We're like, this, this shit right here, it's no. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't it. And yeah. so, you know, my partner, of course, he's thinking about Holland, right? That's where he's from. He loves it there. I love it too. Yeah. But my biggest barrier is the language difference. Mm. But then I'm hearing you talk about your grandparents and your parents coming through yeah. my age. I'm, mid, I'm in my mid-30s and learning a whole new language. I'm like, Damn, that's gangster. 
listen anybody could do it you know what i mean as long and, and i think I think also too, it speaks highly of how communities of color, we're such resilient people mm. and we don't, we don't allow these barriers to minimize our potential. And I just, I just look at my grandparents and my parents, they are such role models. And just to me, they're the perfect figure and embodiment of what success and resilience looks like, especially when you're faced again with all of these different obstacles. They said to all those people like, screw you. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm going to have an accent for the rest of my life, but I'm, I'm going to say all of these English sentences perfectly with my heavy accent. So that, it is that what part. It is. <laughs> so listen, if you guys decide to go, go to Holland, like we're such resilient people and I, I wouldn't, I, you are going to learn the language so easy. We're going to figure it out. Exactly. You're going to figure it out as it goes. And all that really matters is, again, that resilience and that dedication that you have. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm so curious, too, though, like how. Um, so, OK, to bring in my train of thought. So after you said that, my brain was like, yeah, you know, like if we did go to Holland, we have my partner has such a dope community that has already embraced mm -hmm. myself and our son and our bonus mom and bonus daughter, like all of us so much and so beautifully. Uh, I'm getting chills as I say that. But um, I'm like, wow, like we could, we could survive. We would be all right. Like you said, we're resilient. I'll bounce back. I'll figure this shit out. Right. Um, but it makes me curious, kind of like, what was community like for, and then, so for your story, we're talking about three generations. So yeah what was community for your grandparents and mm. then for your parents and then for you? Mm. Oh, I love that question. Um, I know for my grandparents, their community was actually two really good family friends who I still know till this day. They actually mm. migrated with my, so they migrated with my grandparents over here and it was just the four of them, my grandparents oh. and, and their and their friend who was a couple, um, you know, it, it's just, they were their own little community and and my mom and her siblings it was just them you know because yeah. especially over there they didn't see any other hispanic people or if mm. they did it was either at work at unfortunately the low income paying jobs that were provided to migrants coming into the country in mm. the 1960s um so that was their community for my grandparents and mm. then for my parents um can i say something real quick yeah, of course that's a small but mighty community right there, <laughs> right? You said four, yes, four of them. Right? Mm -hmm. That's gangster. Ah, you know, strength, strength in small numbers. <laughs> I love it. Exactly, and I think, and again, it's not even about the numbers, like you mentioned. It's just about again the, the sense of community that you build within, you know, yeah. whether that it's a small or bigger group of people. Um, so yeah, I just I always think about my grandparents, and I because I I was talking to my grandmother on the phone um, this past weekend, and my grandfather he's no longer with us, you know, God rest God rest his soul. But I always talk about this with her. I'm like, grandma, like I'm like Abuela, how did you guys like? live in Staten Island, especially during such, during a time of where segregation was so heavy. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about, you know, the 1960s. And, you know, my, my grandma was just like, whenever people would say racial slurs to me, I would just say, I would just be like, whatever, I don't care about you. I'm gonna go do my thing, go to my mm -hmm. nightclub, taking me late. <laughs> like, and I'm like, grandma, you're so boss. <laughs> That's literally what my grandma's like, my mama said, like, she was just, um, she was just awesome. So I just think about that and just think again about their resilience and because of 
the small community that they had with the with the family friends who migrated with them it was all that they needed in order to feel that they could do mm. survive in this country and then with my parents um it was a little bit different. So like with my dad, when he migrated here, um, he found a job in downtown Manhattan. He worked as a maintenance worker. So he was a janitor worker for a local hospital in downtown Manhattan. Um, and he actually met other uh, Hispanic people who were working mm. alongside with him. So he had a bunch of good Dominican friends, Puerto Rican friends. And um, because of that, he was able to be like, okay, so I'm not the only one here. And that makes yeah. me feel okay. And that makes mm -hmm. me feel a little bit safer. Um, whereas in Staten Island, unfortunately, again, we don't have that privilege outside of our um outside of our mexican community so i'll say around the time that my parents migrated my um my community shout out to the 10302 um just gotta give a shout out to port richmond that's my community um you know that's when it started to become a little bit more diverse and because of that our community was yeah i guess our safe haven you know like just being able to feel comfortable yeah. to speak some sort of Spanish. Like my dad could be able to go to go to stores and speak Spanish and not feel judged for it. But anywhere outside of that zip code was yeah. like, okay, this is, you know, you got to be careful on what you say and how you say things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, aside from my family and aside from, you know, my parents' jobs and where they worked and who they got to work with, but also, you know, shout out to my, to my, my neighborhood um, for yeah. being haven for us and you know then go on to my generation <laughs> um you know luckily staten island has become a lot more diverse at least in the north shore of the community where where um my family is from um it's been able to we've been able to really rally with other communities um you know mm. other communities like uh marinus harbor and, and and stapleton you know those are predominantly black communities and just being able to have those neighboring communities and really rally together in terms of all the racism and the backlash that we experience it makes us you know i know we talked about how even that small community you know it doesn't matter if you're small in numbers, but being bigger in numbers and being able to share that common experience, unfortunately, it's not the greatest experience that a lot of us have faced, but mm. we've been able to just make our voices louder in terms of the treatment that a lot of people of color in Staten Island really receive. Um, and I think a really big part of that was, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement in Staten Island, that was a huge, especially on the South side where it's a predominantly police community, um, they were just like, no, you don't do that here. For sure, in the other boroughs you can. And on the North Shore, all the neighborhoods in North Shore, we said, F you, <laughs> like, we mm. don't crap, but we're gonna do, we're gonna come to the South side of Staten Island and let our voices be heard. And just being able to rally together, not only with my own community, but different neighboring communities, it, mm -hmm. it's something that's been so beautiful, at least for my upbringing, um, growing up there. That's so, I thank you for sharing that community piece, right? And we felt it again when we were talking about it. I think it was a few months ago or so, but like there was that click for the two of us, right? And if I remember correctly, you were surprised that I felt the same way, right? Yes. You were like, what? I was like, yes, girl. Yes. yes. <laughs> I can do it. I can speak Spanish, mm -hmm. technically fluently. Right. Is everybody gonna like it? No. Right. Is everybody gonna agree with my pronunciation and the accent and so on and so forth no but do i give a fuck not really anymore right right mm -hmm. but that's that speaks to more of the space i'm in now right in like really embodying and living through i'm confident i'm confident in my communication abilities and 
to hear and listen to what other people are saying and then also to be able to share back what I need to share, whatever that might be, right? Um, oh, I was just jotting down some notes. I'm thinking I'm like language, community, multi-generation, like there's, as always, so many layers to it right. that <laughs> we yeah. could say we're coming in talking about this one thing, but boop, up pops these other. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. These other gems and this other greatness and so on. Um, oh, I love it, such a rich conversation. So we talked about a whole lot, mm-hmm. but is there anything that, you know, that maybe I didn't ask you about that you think would be helpful for people to hear about your story or how you've continued to navigate through? Yeah, I think for those of us, you know, for people, you know, who may be in a similar boat like Vanessa and I, in terms of like our, you know, other language speaking capabilities, it's okay. I don't want you to feel that judgment by others that because you guys weren't raised with speaking that predominant, with speaking that other language, Mm -hmm. that listen, that doesn't make you less Hispanic, that doesn't make Mm -hmm. you less Haitian, that doesn't make you less Nigerian, it does not at all. It's, it's all about how you embrace your culture. And if you want to learn the language and get better at it, listen, I'm taking advanced tutoring Spanish, like right now, okay, so there's no, no way, like, I'm embodying, like, if I say to myself, if my parents and my grandparents could do this at freaking 35 I know I could do this at 25 years old okay so just there's I I always say that there's no there's no late time in order to accomplish something so to all of my yo no sabo kids listen you know a lot more than you think you do who who cares Mm -hmm. about those Instagram reels or what people do to make fun of us but Mm -hmm. it doesn't make you less of who you are and it's just again a matter of who do you see yourself? And that's all that matters. And not that you didn't ask me that, Vanessa, because I felt like that was like really a huge part of our conversation. But I just just want to say that we're all in this together. And, you know, it, depending on our time and our pace, and that's all that matters. It doesn't make us less of who yeah. we are. It doesn't make us less of our identities. But you do you, <laughs> essentially. That's right. <laughs> right. Which is why it comes back to like such an individualized experience. Right. And why I'm so adamant about like, if I hear people making fun of someone else, well, point blank, I'm gonna interrupt. Right. But definitely if you're talking about someone else's ability to speak multiple languages or their journey as they learn multiple languages or accents, any of those things, I'm like, yo, back off. Right. Because you don't know that person's, as we said, experience, privileges, barriers, environment, and so on. Right. Um, and the, the more that we're able to embrace and understand that, the more we can lean into figuring out what do we want, just the same way you figured out, this is what I want. I'm gonna go ahead and take some advanced Spanish. Like, let's do this. Right. Um, and come into a space that you are confident and mm-hmm. you are comfortable with. It's not about anybody else, none of those external people. Um, so I love that so much. And you said, there's no late time to learn something. And I say, there's no late time to learn something, anything, right? I love that. that <laughs> these, these, these timelines that we put, right. society, other people, family, friends, media, so on and so forth, throw that shit out the window. It doesn't, it's not serving us. Right. It's literally a barrier that we're creating for ourselves. Exactly. Who's yeah. to say I'm supposed to be fluent in multiple languages by a particular age? Right. That doesn't have to be the case. Right. It's not my case. Right. So. Fuck some timelines. 
Shout out to you for taking them classes. I love it. I'm gonna have to go Google and learn some Dutch. Dutch is hard though, but oh. yeah. But it's a beautiful language. I have, I used to work um, at the 9-11 Memorial Museum and we always get so many international people. And a lot of people came from, from Holland. So it was just so great to be able to hear all the different languages and their language is very beautiful, yeah. <laughs> That's dope. That's super dope. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming through. Y'all yeah. already know. Thank you for listening. If it was your first time, I hope you enjoyed it and that you will come back and listen to more. And if you are a frequent flyer and you coming through and you listening to our podcast. Thank you so much. As always, don't be greedy, share it with the homies. We're on lots of different podcast streaming platforms, YouTube, and most heavily on Instagram. So check us out, gather.heal and our website, gatherandheal.us. Our membership's open. So please come on through. Let's do this. Let's connect with others. Let's heal in community and also do our own internal work at the same damn time. Time, no matter where you are on that journey. Yeah. Peace, y'all. I hope you have nothing short of a beautiful fucking day. <laughs>